interest if you just come up and have a beer. Just one beer, that's all we want. You know, he's like, oh, okay. He ended up being a halfway decent guy. It's just, you know, you know, just you're an outside person, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, and, it, and it's just like the inter-service rivalries. You know, it's like my dad was a career Navy guy. I'm an Army guy. My son's an Army guy. We don't watch the Army-Navy game together. Is that bad? It, yeah, dude. It's. I mean, it's. it's we gotta have. We'll have you over to uh, my brother-in-law's. We we go all, we go actually all out, but they're all Navy. Yeah. See, I I hosted uh, I co-hosted an event at Buffalo Wild Wings this year for the game. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, because uh, you know, I'm vice commander of the American Legion Post here. Yeah. Okay. And um, and that's the Thomas Fowler American Legion Post number one sixty nine here in Wichita Falls, Texas. There's a shameless plug right there. But, uh, yeah. um, you know, we had some Air Force, we had uh, one Marine, a couple of Army guys, you know, and, and we, you know, our Marine, he had to serve as the de facto Navy guy because his paychecks are still signed by the Department of the Navy. But, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. It yeah, is it so. Is. It was so funny. It's like what? Marine Corps. You mean Navy, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you're part of the you're the Department of the Navy that gets to play with guns. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm like yeah. Okay. But you know, like my dad and I, it's on our bucket list is to go to the Army Navy game in person. Yeah. And my dad has always stated this. He goes, "We'll go to get. We'll go to the game together, but we're sitting on opposite sides of the fucking field." And I'm like, "Bet that is a deal right there." You know, you know, I I research how much it's like a thousand dollars. Oh to, yeah, it'll be it, definitely something that it, that's just for the tickets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to mention hotels. Yeah, you know, but and you have to get all that stuff in advance. Yeah, because I was gonna go. Way. I was gonna go one year. I was gonna take uh, a loan on my four hundred one k. Yeah, I was like, yeah, let's go this year. I was like, and then I did all the research. It's like, hey guys, Kenny's TV is just as good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's one of those. It's a bucket list. It's a bucket list thing, and I definitely, definitely want to go because, like, my dad, crusty ass old sailor, you know, I mean, he'll sit over there and just give those midshipmen shit just for being soft. He's like, back when I was in the Navy, bro, you know. Yeah. Like, you don't fucking wash the Chief's coffee cup, you know? It's like, yeah, you know. But me. Infantry, we haven't had a filter since 1776. <laughs> you know, I will get over there and be like, "Who's fucking infantry?" Yeah, ah, you know, we'll be out there just raising, just raising all kinds of hell. Yeah, you know, and I mean that's definitely something that I want to, you know, I want to see. Uh, my oldest and I, we got to actually watch Army play um, in the Armed Forces Bowl a couple years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, when they annihilated the U- University of Houston, like <laughs> seventy to fourteen. Um, we actually got to, you know, the fourth quarter, we walk, walked around to the Army side. Oh, nice. And uh, where the band was. And we got to take the field. Oh, wow. At the end of the game. When all zeros on the scoreboard at the end of the game, we ran down. And we ran, and we, we got to sing first with we ran, with Army, went over, sang first with Houston, and then we got to run back, and we got to sing second with Army. Oh, wow. But dude, you want to talk about badass I mean that was an amazing experience you know for like me and my son yeah you know two infantry veterans just hanging out with these West Point guys you know and this was um, 
it was one of the years that we beat Navy. And we would just like some of the seniors. I've got a pair of uh, lineman uh, gloves okay. in my closet. One of the seniors gave me the, gave me his gloves, his football oh, nice. gloves. And it's one of the ones where you go like that, and it's got the school insignia yeah. there. And, and I'm like, dude, I mean, they're they're a little bit loose on me, but this dude's hands were fucking massive. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus Christ, dude, you're, if you're going to be in the infantry, you're going to have to be crouched a lot, yeah. you know. But, and it's like, you know, we're sitting there just like, you know, dude, we want to thank you guys for beating Navy this year. And he's like, yeah, yeah, why, why, why is that? And it's like, dude, my, you know, my dad is Army Navy guy, 20 years, retired Navy. And I just, I got tired of fucking listening Yeah, to but him. they had like 10 years. And dude, it was lost. like, no, it was, it was 13 years. Was it 13? It was 13, 13 or 14 years, depending on what gas station you walk out of. But, yeah. you know, it, it, there was a long streak there where, Navy would just consistently take, and it, and it wasn't like they were just outplaying us. It was, I mean, sometimes there would be like mistakes, like uh, well, we fumbled on the goal line, you know, kind of a thing. Yeah, that's the same thing that's been happening with the Navy, you know. But but this year, God, I hate that freaking interception. This year, still... fifteen to nothing. Are you kidding me, dude? I literally almost broke my freaking wrist because I was so pissed off of that uh, fumble. You know, I mean, but it's like, you know, like, like, I have a TikTok channel, so it's like, you know, and, and, and on my TikTok channel, I do a lot of, like, rocking videos and stuff, you know, talking about enhancing the core, and, you know, talking about suicide awareness and things like that. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I, I would do these weekend safety briefings, like, with my kids, and I'd have my two boys involved with it, you know, you know like, talking about don't add to the population, don't subtract from the population. Um, you know, and Na- Army Navy week, I was like, always check on your battles. This week, check on your Navy battles because West Point is going to put the smack down. We're going to whoop that ass, you know. And like the day after the game, I had to go do a ruck. Um, it was cold as shit. And one of my buddies, he's a Marine. Uh, you met him, Stephen Underhill. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's like, yeah, Stephen, he don't want to talk about the game today. He's like, nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And then, you know, like Army Air Force Week, you know, which was just really weird having to watch another game after the Army-Navy game, but, damn, 2020 being what it was, but, yeah. you know, it was just like, you know, this week, check on your Air Force battles, because yeah. Army's going to whoop that ass, too, you know, and, and that was a closer game, you know, I mean, it, the Army-Navy game was close, but, I mean, the scoreboard didn't reflect the, 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 the effort on the field, but... But that army, I mean, I was legitimately worried that Air Force was going to pull that off because I seriously, I was going to, I was, I was mentally prepared to be pissed off that entire week <laughs> because I was like, no, you know, because a lot of, we live in an Air Force town. So I mean, yeah. a lot of the guys that are here are retired Air Force and a majority of my friends are, you know, retired Air Force. And I just, I really didn't want to listen to it, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I was, I was prepared to be completely salty and just be like, see, I don't you know, even watch. I don't want to watch Air Force uh, competing in football anymore because they every every time I I watch it, it's like the first time I uh, I started watching it and everything like that. I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And I was like, it's like having a hot chick and finding out she's just a dead leg. <laughs> it's like it's like decaffeinated coffee. I posted a meme this morning on my timeline. 
is a this old Chinese monk. You know, it's just like decaffeinated coffee. He's like a hooker that just wants to cuddle. Oh God. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> I texted my girlfriend that, and she goes, "Hey, I drink decaf. I drink unleaded sometimes." And I'm like, "I, you know, you know," but I mean, she knew I was kidding, and I knew she was kidding, but um, <laughs> you know, it's like. You know, you get that inner service rivalry just like yeah. you do inner branch. You know, it's like okay, or so. even even just any kind of uh, uh, opposition of any kind of uh, com- uh, combat. Yeah, not, not combat, but uh, competitive. Yeah, you know, it's like you know, infantry. We've got a term for everybody who's not infantry. Call them pogues, people other than grunts. And for a while there, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you're just a pogue. Whatever, shut up. You know. Yeah. But, you know, you get these pogues, man, you know, these non-infantry, these non-combat MOS type people, they're like, they just get butt hurt, man, and they just try to come back and be salty as shit, and it's like, you know what, you wouldn't have lasted a damn day, you know, and I don't want to sound like one of those old vets, but it's like, you know, you, you some of the people that are in nowadays, they, they just would not last, you know, back whenever we were able to say whatever the hell we wanted, Yeah. you know, I mean, obviously you couldn't drop a racial slur, I mean... Oh, yeah. I mean, that was never acceptable, but, you know, and, you know, but it's like, you know, and that was, you know, that's another thing, too. It's like, you know, you get all these people that talk about, you know, I'm a black soldier. Like, no, motherfucker, you're You're a soldier. soldier. You know, it's like, you're not white, you're not black, you know, you're not, you're not Asian, you're not, you're not fucking, you know, you're not Native American, you're, you bleed red. As far as I'm concerned, you're green. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, I mean, my best friend, you know, like I dropped his name earlier, Mikey Lopez. He's, he's Hispanic and he's just, he, to me, he's just a brother, brother from another mother. I mean, literally, yeah. you know, and I, I don't give a crap where you came from. I don't care what your skin color is. You were a good soldier and, you know, you were a soldier, you wear that uniform, you're a brother, you know. If I surfed with you, chewed dirt with you, we drank together, we got into trouble together, we got smoked together, whatever. You know, you're, I mean, you're family. And I, I, I will, you know, I will jump in front of a bus to, to throw you out of the way just as much as I would anybody else, you know. I mean, and this is going to be the most probably charged statement of the, of the of the episode, but I'm still waiting for that white privilege check to come in. Fuck yeah. You know? And, yeah. and it's not a race thing. I mean, it's like, you know, to me, <laughs> I mean, to borrow a line from Full Metal Jacket, there's no racial bigotry in the military. You know? I look, you know, I, I, I look down on everybody equally. You are all equally worthless. You know? It's like, you know, I think probably, I think about like 50 or 60% of the company where I went, uh, Delta Company, when I first got there, um, not to be confused with Delta Force, I never said I was an operator, I'm talking about Delta Company, second 327. Yeah, they were badass. <laughs> you know, you know when, I, when, I, when I first reported to my, my, my unit, I think about 50 or 60% was Hispanic. Yeah. You know, and didn't bother me a damn bit. Well, I had, I had a... Uh, but he was from France. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean... But he... he. 
I mean, to a degree. He, he, he was actually an asshole. Yeah, I mean, to a degree. But Yeah, I mean, I, I experienced a little bit of bigger, you know, bigotry towards me. You know, I'm a white kid coming from Texas. Yeah. You know, somebody's like, oh, you from Texas. You just think you're better. I'm like, no. One, I know I'm better than you because I'm from Texas. But, yeah. You know. It's all right. I come from the great nation of Texas. Yeah. I, it's I, not I, a s- nation. It's a state. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we were never officially named a state. We were, we allowed the United States government to annex us. Thank you very much. You know, but. Um, which is story. Which is, why, which is why, fun fact, everybody. Uh. The state, or the state flag is the only flag in the country that can fly at the same level as the United States flag. So that thank you. Do your homework. Um, anyway, so, you know, I, I, I had to kind of go out of my way a little bit to kind of prove that I wasn't the, you know, the stereotype, you know, white kid coming from Texas, racist towards Hispanics. It's like, I don't give a shit if you're brown. I don't give a shit if you're black. Um, speaking of which, that's my oldest kid right there. Um, but, um, I will text him later. Anyways, um, he, you know, I mean, well, we've been going around about that. Yeah, we have. Yeah, we have. You're going to have to do some editing or this is going to be a really damn ass long episode. No, I, I I don't, uh, I'll just get the front and the back. Oh, okay. Something like this. Oh, okay. So the podcast for people with short attention spans. Yeah. Um, I don't do like 13 I, I did. I did the whole, whole spill. Yeah. All the messed up stuff. I mean, a lot of people just didn't even care. bloopers. Like when yeah. you walked out of here to go answer the door. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'll be in there too. Yeah. But uh, God, well, I'm glad I didn't rip a fart in the middle of all that. But you know. Fuck it. I'll, I'll keep it in. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. For you sure. got to use the restroom. I'll just have to talk it's, to myself for the entire. It's time. raw. Yeah. Exactly. But um, I'll spit. You know, it's like the. You know, as far as like the infantry is concerned, I mean, do I think that it takes a special breed? <laughs> you damn ass right, absolutely. You know, I think it takes a special breed to be a grunt. You know, do I think anybody can do it? Eh, to a degree, yes and no. Um, don't get me started on the whole women being in the infantry thing. Good Lord, I, I don't want to blow up your comment section. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, all I'm going to say to that part is that I'm old-fashioned. Yeah. You know, but... As far as, you know, infantry versus other job titles or other, you know, other specialties in the military, um, you know, you, you can't win a war from the air. Yeah. You know, so you need guys on the ground. And that's what grunts are for. I don't know. It's an A-10. You probably could. Why do you think the A-10 was created? It was created to support grunts. Yeah, I know. You know, but... And you're going to get those fact checkers. Well, actually, it's an anti-tank climate platform. Shut up. It is a dual There's a aircraft. lot of things that are supposed to be like anti-vehicle that's used. Like yeah. a Javelin? Uh, or a 50 cal. Yeah. It's in the Geneva Convention. Check it out. Yeah. But uh, it's like, we weren't engaging the troops. We were shooting at his canteen. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you needed armor-piercing incendiary rounds for that? Reactive armor for that canteen cup. I'm telling you, son. Yeah. But or, uh, or using a javelin to get up a sniper or a person that's in a uh, sniping position. Yeah, we were taking out his uh, found that we were taking out his base. Yeah. Shooting his tree stand down. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker was taking away my deer. Tree, tree stand. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! What did you hear this? 
you play, um, fuck. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. you're not going to have reaction time. It's like, the hell, you know. Next thing you know, you got St. Peter looking at you going, you know you fucked up, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, right. But, you know, it's, you know, uh, there, there's, you know, I love being in the infantry. Loved it. I, I mean, I would go back yesterday if they asked me to. I really would. You know, um, best, worst job I ever had in my life. I mean, I know yeah. that that's a, was a line from the movie Fury. Yeah. But, I mean, it's true, man. I mean, it's like grunts walk a little bit differently than everybody else. Yeah. You know, um, you know, you get your rangers. They got a ranger strut. You get your grunt struts. I mean, they're basically the same thing. Um, you know, rangers just walk with their knuckles a little closer to the ground. But, uh, you know, um, you know, you, you, when you, you start getting up into your, your special operations guys, like the, the, the Green Berets and your, your operators, yeah, most your SEALs, they, they tend to be a little bit more humble about things. Um, and that's just because, you know, their jobs almost kind of demand that. Yeah. Whereas with the Rangers and just the basic infantry, you know, or big army infantry, rather. I mean, that bravado is almost kind of required, you know. And then I think a lot of that too is kind of a coping mechanism, kind of like our dark humor. And you know, it just helps us kind of cope with the realities of our of our job. Yeah, because most most of the infantry and rangers, it's it's, it's like a small amount of tac- tactical going in. Yeah. But you're going into a shit storm. But but with tier one, there there's like nine months of training for uh, an extraction. Yeah. You know, I mean they know that they're gonna walk into a shit storm, but they're gonna walk in with nine or ten months of training behind it. Yeah. You know, and and these these you know, I mean, they're very, very surgical. Whereas if you go in big army style. Yeah, one's know, a hammer, one's a uh one, one's a scalpel, yeah. I mean you're gonna walk in with a ten pound sledgehammer and you're just gonna swing. And, you know, yeah, I mean, there's times with big army stuff that you've, you've got to be pretty, you know, pretty pinpoint and accurate, but, you know, especially when you're calling in like artillery strikes, you know, or airstrikes. Oh, you yeah. Know, you know, but, I mean, you're still doing that with rather large munitions, you know, I mean, you're, you're making your presence absolutely known versus these these tier one guys and the, you know these these operators you know they, they go in there and they're just like like you know something happened because you see bullet holes in the wall but you know and it's like and, and the bad guy that you thought was supposed to be there is just not there you know he's like he disappeared like a popcorn fart in the wind you know yeah well it's like uh robin rob o'neill was describing one time uh uh the raid on osama bolana he didn't know the helicopter the first helicopter went down he he literally walked past he said i literally walked past it and didn't even know and someone told me that's how that's how focused we were on. and then we left it there and the chinese came in and took pictures of it and you know yeah no we blew it up oh we blew it up still but they still went in and took pictures of it but exactly you know but (laughs) there was an admiral navy admiral during world war ii he was asked about his position on the press reporting on war. And he said, the, what about the press telling there was a war after we already won it? And I think a lot of that is true. Um, 
I mean, if, if you remember back during the invasion, uh, Geraldo Rivera. Oh, yeah. He got kicked out of the country twice. Um, uh, he was he was because embedded. he was making a map in a freaking sand. Yeah, dude, he was embedded with the hundred and first. Um, a buddy of mine, I think it was with his unit, uh, it was with the five hundred second, five hundred second infantry, um, which is second uh, brigade for the hundred and first. And he was sitting there making a sand table map, like here's our position, and they 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 cut his feet. Like, yeah. dude, you can't fucking do that. And he got all mouthy about it, so they moved him to a different unit. He tried to pull that shit, I think, with a Marine unit, and they just finally said, like, you're fucking out of here. Yeah. You know? Opera, OPSEC is huge. Yeah. Com- you know? Was it a... Uh, oh, there is another term. I forgot it. I just now I just forgot it. Comsec OPSEC. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? You, you know, or they used to say on these morale posters uh, during World War II is loose, loose lips sink ships. Yeah. You know? Uh, it's like my mom would run into that all the time. Uh, she would be the ombudsman for the spouses back home. And she would, you know, be like a liaison between the skipper of the ship and the wives, you know. The, the wife, someone, when a spouse had or family member had a problem back home, they'd contact my mom and she would get a message to the ship. You know, they, she didn't have like a direct line, you know, so to speak, but... Um, that she had channels that she could go through. Yeah, then it even comes down to, uh, like, people asking me, well, how many people have you, have you fed today? It's like, oh. Yeah. I, can't, I can't give that information out. Yeah, and, and it's not that we're trying to be all hard asses, it's like, huh, huh, you know, no, men in black, and you're stoned to this. I, I had an ego. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, well, I mean, not even so much that. It's just that, you know, like, um, I mean, we're cool and all, but... I am not gonna get my ass chewed out for no fucking reason just because you're nosy. Yeah, I even had I had I had one in- instant where I had a third country national asking for uh, a disposable uh, camera, and I told my command I was like, "Hey, this guy's asking for a disposable camera. We need to get rid of him." And they're like, "We'll just don't get it for him." I'm like, "Did you did you not hear what I just said?" Yeah, you know. It's not me trying to be a hard ass. It's me trying to make sure that, uh, and this is when we had those uh, uh, horse soldiers come back mm-hmm. from uh, uh, Afghanistan. The, yeah, Afghanistan. Yeah, and they wanted to take pictures of all the soldiers and everything. I was like, uh, they're asking for this, 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 and this is while while because God, those 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 men, good Lord in heaven, were they wore out. Because they were, they were, okay, they were sitting in front of the uh, uh, showers to get a shower and everything. Yeah. They were just sitting out, you know, taking care of their uh, uh, nails and everything like that. And I was like, hold on, you guys are look rough. Let me go get you some, uh, at least some, like, packed lunches or something like that. I'll get you some fruit or something. I was just, like, carrying, like, water and so, yeah, uh, sodas and everything like that. And, oh, my God. I've never seen anybody that, and I worked on a ranch. I've never seen anybody that rough. Yeah, dude, that is like it's physically <coughs> exhausting. And but, they did it for like what, it, what it, was it only two weeks? Uh, I think two or three weeks, something like that. I mean, because they had a specific deadline that they had to hit. Yeah, you know, but and if they didn't hit it, it would have been all out. Yeah, I mean, it would have been bad, but you know, um, mentioned I've met Rob Lowe before, uh, not Rob Lowe, but uh, Rob Regal before he was famous too. Oh yeah. Yeah, wow. he was the captain. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You know, you, you, you get 
you know, it's funny, like, you start seeing some, I mean, because, like, even to a degree, like, a lot of Rangers units, they don't like their pictures being taken. And I remember seeing, um, there's a page on, on Instagram, what is it, uh, Zulu Foxtrot? Yeah, yeah, it's like Zulu Foxtrot. Um, you see these pictures that have, like, all these faces redacted in it. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know they're like you never really understand your 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 importance to the mission until you see the the official photo released, and then it's like this everybody's faces are blacked out except for this one motherfucker just sitting there all cheesing it out. He's like ah, you know, and it's like you are not mission essential. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like hey guys, it's like I'm here, and like yeah, but where where you're going out the door first? <laughs> you know, it's like where are you the interpreter or? <laughs> I mean, even the interpreters get their faces redacted sometimes. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, because a lot of times they're going to be nationals, locals. You oh, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. going to be uh, indigenous, you know, and it's like they got to keep their identity safe because if that picture gets out and the wrong people see it, they're going, well, I know who he is and I know yeah. where he lives. You know, um, you know, it's part of that whole hearts and minds thing, I guess. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, I, it, you know... I miss being in the infantry. I, you know, I, you get those guys that are like, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. And I'm like, okay, well, once you're a grunt, you're kind of always a grunt. Yeah. You know, I mean, because you've just, you've got that mentality. You know, it's kind of, I don't want to say beat into you. It's, it's kind of bred into you. Yeah. Um, you know, again, it's not that we think that we're better than everybody else. I mean, to a degree, we kind of know we are, but, you know, at the same time, we, we still kind of have to carry a, a degree of, of modesty about us because, yeah. you know, you get those guys with those big heads. And it's always the guys that, that talk the most shit well, that the, you uh, see freeze up the most. Bro, bro, uh, veteran? Uh, bro vets, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Um, John Burke talks about those guys all the time. He's like, you get those guys that are just bro vets. And, I mean... How for the longest time I don't even ask for a freaking discount that I can get. now that I need the money and everything. I gotta ask. Oh uh, yeah, you know it's like I've never I've never asked for discounts when someone's like, and hey, I'm thank you for this. Sorry, I'm service. not proud of this. My my disability rating with the VA is high enough where I qualified to get the the DV plate on my car, and so I've got the handicap placard, right? Yeah, and uh, I'll use it at sporting events. <laughs> You know, I'm like, I don't want to fucking walk half a why, mile. Why, you, why are you taking walk. John with it? Is it because he's an infantryman and you, and you like that all that stuff? No, because he has a handicap scarier. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, like, uh, I took my took my uh, girlfriend to a hockey game um, a few weeks back, um, about a month or so ago, and then took my boys to a hockey game. And um, I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally using this parking spot. Park right up fucking front, man. It's like... Like, literally, there's maybe about 150 feet to the damn door. You know, I'm just like, yeah. You know, I mean, if I'm at, like, Walmart or something like that, I'll, you know, I'll park in the regular parking and I'll just walk my happy ass in. But, you know, or, or, or like, uh, you know, I mean, if if the parking lot is slammed and and every parking, like, Black Friday. Oh, God. You know? if if I'm feeling dumb enough to want to go out on Black Friday, fine. What kind of armor do you use though? <laughs> I go full. I go full plate. Oh, you get you gotta go the level shield three trauma, man. You gotta go. Through I go. The, I go full plate with shield and sword. 
you got to go level three, right? Yeah. You know, you, you got to go full Huo, right? You know, yeah. I mean, you full send, but... Oh, yeah, that, that was another thing. Uh, how do you like the uh, the wrestling with the uh, Vikings and the uh, Spartans after the movies came out and the TV show? How do you, how do you like that kind of uh, stuff? What I had a problem with... I mean, it, it, I mean it, it was a novelty at first, but then you start seeing these people take that shit real seriously. Like they, they, you know, like to get around the beard, you know, the, the, the having a beard rule. Yeah. Like one guy, he, he listed his, you know, his religion as Norse. And it was his religious right. Like it was a, it was a part of his religion to grow a fucking beard. And I think they let him for a little bit. Well, actually they, they have that with the, like the sheiks. Yeah, sheiks. Yeah, yeah. the sheiks, yeah. Um, and the, uh, the. The, the yeah, that's due there. The, the, the sheiks, yeah. They, I yeah. mean, the, the turban is part of their uniform. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I mean, I don't. I mean, it's it's being respectful of their culture, but at the same time, it, just the whole being dressed right dress. You know, if you want to wear a beard, fine, great. Because if that's part of your religion, that's part of your culture, then do that. But you have to have that waiver to do that. But as far as headgear goes, man, no. There is no possible way that you could be tactical with that because what it, you know they say the purpose of camouflage is to break up unnatural outlines, right? Yeah. You know, you can wear a ghillie suit on that thing. You know, I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to be discriminatory, but it's like I, to a degree I understand. Yes, this is your religion, fine, whatever. But you still have to have a, a level of conformity with everybody else, you know. If you're marching in formation and you're standing out head above shoulders above everybody else because you've got that turban on, or if you've got that beard and nobody else is wearing it, guess what? Whether or not you choose to admit it or whether or not you want it, you're standing out. You are going to be the focus of attention. And um, nine times out of ten, that is not a good thing. Now, the only reason why I say anything like that is (laughs) because historically, yet. You have most people that are in the military and everything like that. Some of them view homosexuality as, you know, up until like now. Yeah. To where, you know, it's bad. And then you have a bunch of people basically worshiping and saying stuff that that side were very flaming. Here's my thing. Okay, I used to be, you know, when I was in, it was the don't ask, don't tell stuff, right? Yeah. You know? And that's fine, whatever. Um, and I could point out a lot of people that were in the military that were yeah. really... I mean, it was, it, was, it was obvious. They were, they were hiding it. Not as good, but yeah. they were still hiding it. My point is, is that, you know, if you can keep your, your, you know, your head squared away enough to where you... I mean, you did your job. If you were a good soldier, if, yeah. if, if, if you were... <laughs> If you didn't detrimentally affect the combat, a combat effectiveness of the unit, fine. Do whatever you want to do on your own time. Yeah. You know. Um, now, do I think that transgenders need to be allowed to serve? No, and here's why. Okay. We've got a bad enough problem with suicide rates in the yeah. military anyway. Um, now, don't quote me on it, but I, I've heard I've heard a couple of different numbers as far as the suicide rates in the transgender community. Uh, I've heard fifty percent. I've heard eighty-seven percent. But I mean, it's still high. You know, you're going to take a demographic. You're going to take a group of people that have 
a high enough a high enough suicide, suicide rate, rate on, on their own. Yeah. And you're gonna put them into a profession that has a high suicide rate. That's not gonna bode well. Yeah. You know? And if if you know, because if you need if you need to take medication to level out your hormones because you're transitioning one direction or the other and you have to you're put into a position where you may run out and it's going to cause you to to go yeah. off, off center and you know you either you know put a barrel in your mouth or you hang yourself do whatever and you take away from the combat effectiveness of that of your unit cuz yeah. now they got to police up your body and they got to send you home yeah you know they got to call in a dust off to to you know take care of you no I mean, I, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on that because I mean, I'm, I'm, I kind of view myself as being, you know, pretty conservative. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, yeah, I'm, a, Reagan, I'm, a, I'm a Reagan conservative. Yeah. You know, I mean, I believe, uh, you know, like Reagan stated in his farewell address to the White House, you know, from the White House is that, you know, America should be a shit signing, shining city on the hill. It, it, you know, trust but verify, peace through strength, you know, those, those are certain, I mean, those are, those are very sound principles that we just, frankly, we don't have enough of anymore. Yeah. And, that, and that's culturally why a lot of the, the reasons why we got into the, the mess that we're in, um, the family units are being broken up. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are certain demographics, certain <laughs> groups that are being given, you know, being given way too much power kids kids are defiant these days because they've got way too much power you know you give a kid the opportunity to call cps on his parents because he didn't want to clean his room well i'm sorry when i was growing up and i'm pretty sure when you were growing up i'll beat the shit talk yeah if i talk back to either one of my parents there was an inch and a half two inch wide leather belt that had my name all over it yeah well they got to the point i was like even i think it was like four or five months ago my dad told me he's like you know the day that that you squared up on me that one day I had to do every dirty trick in the book but it was at the point that he realized he needed to change his teaching because I'm not gonna uh, answer that stuff yeah I mean your, your parenting style needs to evolve your leadership yeah. not, leadership styles need to evolve but you know, I think that discipline has really gotten... It's gotten to... The ability so for little. parents to discipline their children have been taken away. Yeah, even even my uh, other co-host, Colin, I mean, he's he, he, he tells us the difference between him and his friends is night and day. Because he didn't grow up uh, half his life with a, uh, with a father figure. Yeah. And me and another friend of his did. Yeah. And... We're here, and he's still lacking in that, and we're still trying to pull him back. Yeah, you know, it's like, uh, you know, yeah, I've got a temper. I I would be the first person to admit I have got a temper, you know, and it's gotten away from me a a couple of times. But you know, I've I've gotten to where, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like raising my voice. I just don't. You know, I'm not one of those guys that's driven by the sound of his own voice. Yeah. It's even though it's majestic. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of 
superpowers take derived from the beard, man. But, um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll raise it up a couple of octaves just to get their attention, you know, and I do address my boys with the knife hand, you know, yeah. and that's just, cause when you point at somebody, you're going to lose their attention real quick. Yeah. You know, you do this and it's like, you know, it's not like you're trying to instill a fear of God into somebody. It's just, you know, Hey, look, I'm directly speaking to you and you yeah. need to look at me, you know? And it was funny cause I had, I had to raise my boys when I was working cause I'm working at Domino's right now and I had to raise my boys one time and everybody just stopped. Yeah, and it's it's because I learned how to project my voice really yeah, well. It's, it's all from the diaphragm. You know? Oh it's like, man, it's so fun to do too. You know, and yeah. it, 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 it's fun to do sometimes as a joke. Yeah, but they get they get it uh, when they really mess up on me and everything like that. It's when I take them aside that everybody looks at the person that messed up on me. Right, it's because you're able to address them in a way that, like, you're looking them in the eye, you're not talking down to them, you're addressing them like a human being, but you're doing it with a firmness, and you're like, look, I understand that you're in a hurry, but when you take a shortcut, you're making more work for everybody else. You need to continue to pull your weight, because the more and more that you slack off, the less and less or less and less opportunity for you to stay here is going to be, you know, exactly. present itself. And you know, and I, I really just started talking to my boys that way, you know, and and it, you know, when 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 I when I get in there and I'm like, okay, you guys need to quit, you know, and like if they go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, uh, you know, I'll sit there and be like, hey. You know, and I'll just, I'll bark at them like that. And they'll just kind of look at me and I'm like, you guys need to quit right now. Yeah. You know, and, and and it's about that delivery. It's about that, that presence that you project. I mean, and and there's a lot of things too. One of the things that really is kind of starting to fade into history that we really need to bring back into style is, is something called command presence. Oh yeah. You know? And I mean, you could put Joe Blow Snuffy, who's wet behind the ears, and he's having to blow his nose five times a day because he was, you know, he did too many lines in college, into a leadership position. And if the dude comes across as a wet noodle, he is not going to get a damn thing done. Whereas if you get somebody who, you know, has their, they may not have all of their ducks in a row, they may not have all their shit together, but if if they have that command presence. That when they speak, they can they can speak at you, and not. You know, I mean that you that you could speak at somebody, and they feel like oh, he's speaking directly to me, but even though you're addressing the crowd, yeah, you know, well, it's, it's like and it's having... all about that inflection, like with your preparatory, your you know preparatory command, your commands of execution. You know, you're like oh pow, you know, and it's like you get that loud, and it's like everybody's like, oh hey, something's about to happen. You know, you don't have to necessarily yell at somebody. You know, you or, or, or you could just give a look. Yeah, you. you and they know that, that yeah. look to the point to where it was like having a person that's trying to be a leader, and the actual guy that actually is the leader is like, like right behind him and everything, and everybody's like, "Okay, okay, we're listening to this guy. We'll do his what he says." Yeah, you know, and, it, and exactly. I mean, it's just that command presence. You're gonna, you know, you don't see that a lot anymore. Man. No. You, you'll, you, you do have those diamonds in the rough. You know, yeah. uh, that are out there, and and unfortunately, it's an uphill battle for them, because 
especially with a lot of the combat experience that we've got in the military now. And I'm not talking about battle streamers on, on division flags or anything like that. I'm talking about individual soldiers that have got time in theater, time in, you know, time in country that, that have well, it's not that, even... that experience. Okay. Like we ran into that problem with Vietnam. Um, yeah. You know, where you get these guys, you know, that the average length of tour was one year and you know, and, 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 it and, would, like and the, 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 the units would stay there, but they would rotate personnel out on a yearly basis. You know, you get 12 months in country, then you go home, then you go back, then you go home. Yeah, and Army's the only one that actually does that anymore. Uh, I think the Marine they? Corps did it too. Well, no, no. I mean, nowadays. Well, nowadays, yeah, but the units come back. Yeah. The units don't stay there. If, you know, like, okay, so if the 101st or the 82nd, they get deployed to RC West or RC East, you know. They stay in. They stay in that area of responsibility for twelve to fifteen months, however long their deployment was scheduled for. And when they transition for redeployment back to the states, the unit that replaces them comes in. You know, it would be like Tenth Mountain Division or Third Infantry Division. They would come in and say, "Okay, well, we're we're assuming responsibility here." They would have a transfer responsibility. Okay. Uh, you know, and then and then. The unit that was there would leave, but you wouldn't transfer personnel in and out of those units the way that they were used to um, during like Vietnam. You know, like okay, well, second platoon would be here, but then staff sergeant would have twelve months in country. He's going to rotate out back to the world, and then you'd get somebody new that would come in. You'd lose that experience. You'd lose that combat experience. And you lose that leadership. And that's why nobody ever wanted to make friends with the FNGs because nobody was there to t kind of take control and kind of take them under their wing. And, you know, a majority, I, I don't want to say majority, that's not fair, a high percentage of the casualties, the KIAs and the wounded uh, from Vietnam were from guys that had just arrived. Yeah. Because they didn't know any better. They didn't have anybody there that would tell them, hey, look, you know, it kind of became like a taboo to talk to the new guy. You had to be there for like X amount of days or X amount of weeks before you realized, you know, before people were like, oh, hey, it's okay to talk to this guy. Um, and it's because the leadership wasn't taking control of these guys going, saying, hey, look, you need to go over here and you need to listen to this guy because he's been here for a while. He knows what he's doing. Do what he does. Go where he goes. Pay attention. Take notes. Yeah, um, and it really just... it. It even took about 30 years, even for a lot of uh, um, combat uh, proficient. Uh, God, man, I'm just stumbling on words right now. But uh, learning stuff like that. Yeah. Because it took like uh, Jocko Willis to write a freaking doctrine for the SEAL team. Mm hmm on how to do tactics because most of the most of them were just going oh what did you learn on this one okay we'll just do this and they never had a, like a big thick book to tell them okay yeah the SMPs we've learned all over the place yeah. yeah you know but you know you standardize the training where that's where the standard was consistent across the board um but you really can't well to a degree common, yeah to a degree yes um, you can have that consistency in the training, but when you get to your units, the units specialize in different things. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you, if you come up to a, a, a constant wire obstacle, no two companies are going to clear it the same way, but the, the effectiveness is still there. Yeah. 
but you, you've got the basic premise. You know, if, if what they'll do is they'll see how another unit does it and they'll adapt it and change yeah. certain things that fits their dynamic. You know, but it still gets done. But there's still a common there's still a, a commonality there. Yeah. You know, there's still a common denominator. You know, certain things you will find that there, it's just you'll see it repeated across the board. Yeah. Um, whether it's how to dismount the vehicle or approach the the obstacle or how they clear the obstacle or you know what do they do after the fact. You know, whether it's the initial contact or the art or, or the reconsolidation and organization skills on the backside, there's still a commonality along the way. But it, it's it's being able to establish that doctrine. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's a saying in the army is like you can take away or you can add to, but don't take away from. You know, so it's like, all right, if you're going to change the way that you do something, you need to go out of your way to prove it. You know, and exactly. it, needs to, it needs to be repeatable. Well, and it, needs, like and it needs to be able to broke, break that down into a trainable session. Yeah. You know, whether you go, what, no, it doesn't matter what kind of, of uh, method of instruction you use, whether it's the step-by-step or if you go block-by-block. Block, you know, you still need to have that where it, it needs to be repeatable. Exactly. Well, it's almost to the, to the point where uh, telling somebody, it's like, hey, and... This cell, this guy's going up. He's having some stuff. It's just communication of right. the point where what's going on between inmates that day and uh, letting them know. It's like, hey, this person has this going on. This person has this. And so you don't have something to the point to where you're taking a person's face and doing a cheese grater, which is basically t- taking your elbow on a person's head and just yeah. on a chain link fence. Nobody yeah. really wants that, but when it comes down to it, that person just had a bad day, and even though he is a criminal, if you show like a, a halfway decent respect and someone comes back like from the same day and goes, hey, such and such told me that you're having a problem, are we going to have a problem today? No. Okay. Let's go back to thing. Yeah. And the con- consistency of the communications really horrible yeah and just like with like you know normal relationships communication's key are you supposed to listen to them yeah fuck you know i i i i I was told once that i need to talk less and listen more and you know and i'm telling you that's really it's harder than you think you know did they have a thing over there no i keep on forgetting i'm just gonna (laughs) say yes because i know that certain people watch these and i'm but uh, like you're not catching me, not today, Satan. <laughs> you know, but uh, I should try. I should try. you know, <laughs> you know, it's like turn around. Um, you know, but you know, communication is is key. You know, I mean, because if you're out there on your own and you're you're separated from everybody else, yeah, you know, you gotta have that 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 flow of information, you know, in order to to be able to operate effectively yeah yeah it's like the operation red wing i mean they couldn't communicate at all yeah, because at all. of the because of the mountainside and everything right. like that yeah you know i mean it was just it was bad all the way around they yeah. should, you know they, they they could have still gone in there but they needed the infrastructure to back that up well it wasn't there it wasn't there because uh because of i can't even say technology but that that area that they were going in, yeah. it was it was just, it was, it was, a, 
It was a dead zone. Yeah, it was a black hole. I mean, it, it, been, it could have done aerial reconnaissance with, like, drones, whatever, you know, before they put boots on the ground. You know, I mean, they could have done that a whole lot better. And to be honest with you, should the operation have still gone down? Yeah, but they yeah. they needed to do their homework a whole hell of a lot more. You know, well, they even went in better. knowing that they were going to have that uh, that good communications, and they still went in. Yeah, I mean, we could play hindsight twenty twenty. Yeah, with that whole thing. Yeah, yeah we, we could dissect it till we're blue in the face. But you know, when you boil it, when it comes down to it, communication is a hundred percent. Yeah, foundationally essential and and that and that's going to be establishing standards that's going to be a, you know establishing guidelines uh you know just writing those sops yeah. you know just you need that communication and you you can have good communication within a smaller unit and that's fine that's great that's imperative but it's just as essential when you start getting into the upper echelons yeah you know when you start talking about brigade and divisional and and even departmental communication interdepartmental communication if it if it sucks oh, yeah you're gonna you're gonna have shit just going I mean it's just gonna break down um, it's like you talk about um, you know like FBI versus the NSA you know versus homeland security. You know, Wait a minute, isn't the NSA part of the Homeland Security, or do they separate them? I think they're separate. I think they're separate. Because um, I think the NSA... I think the NSA operates domestically versus CIA, which is internationally, but... Maybe yeah, I know I know CIA, the only way they can actually do anything in-country uh, in, in is with like liaison. Yeah. Uh, with the FBI. Yeah, but, you know... When those when those departments those branches start bumping heads because they they go in it into a situation with their own ideology. Yeah, that's what happened with nine eleven. Yeah, nine eleven. We had all kinds of information, but they weren't yeah. talking. Exactly. And and they, it wasn't they didn't want to talk to each other. It was the fact of that they couldn't. They couldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> and whether it be because of doctorate, you know, doctrinal or doctrinal, I cannot talk today. <laughs> but we're going on like, like almost three hours. Yeah, I know, right? Um, you know, whether it be because of, of you know, established... Indoctrine. Yeah. Well, we'll just say yeah. know, deficiencies on, on a doctrinal level. Yeah. Um, and there I just spit the word out like it was supposed to be. <laughs> but it's like, you know, whether it be because of, of, of failures on, on a doctrinal level... You know, or, you know, ideological differences on the way things should be run versus the way that they are actually run. You know, there were so many downfalls with that. And then when they went in there with the commission after 9-11 happened and we tried to figure out why. Yeah. You know, it's like these are common sense things. Uh, I had a platoon sergeant a very, very long time ago. He would say common sense was an issue, but use it anyway. Yeah, it's a superpower that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like my dad used to say, he's like, you know, at least wet concrete has enough common sense to dry. You yeah. Know? And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know. 
uh, something else my dad would say, and I've started using this more recently, especially with my boys. It's like, let's use our brains for something besides keeping your ears apart. You know? Yeah. And and it's not to be like insulting or anything like that. It was just this really kind of illustration. Make you stop and think. Yeah, it's an illustration, and it's like, okay, we need to, you know, proactively be better. Yeah. Um, you know, communication. The way that we approach situations. Stop the way trying that we to think about people. yourself first. Yeah, you know, and, and I think, and there's a lot of people in the world that are guilty of overthinking situations. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, stop, breathe. It's called crisis management. Yeah, and I get really, because I am the most impatient person you could possibly meet, you know, working on a per, uh, person that overthinking about how, how I work on a car. And I'm like, okay, just do this. And he's like, are you sure? I end up damaging a lot of stuff because I'm, I get so fed up. It was like uh, um, my ignition switch went out, and I was trying to get it with the chisel and everything, and I couldn't. I was really about to take the dashboard and just take a chainsaw to it. And, uh, But if you have those types of people that just overthink to the point to where they can't get the job done or they think of here and it takes them like three weeks to get to point A to point B. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, you know, I mean, my girlfriend, I love her to death. She, she does overthink things and she admits it. You know, she knows like, like I overthink. You know, and she constantly wants to apologize. And I'm not, I'm not throwing you under the bus. Um, you know, if I, if I get messages, no, no, I would somebody. be the one. Yeah, no, I would be the one. But you know, it's like she constantly apologizes, and I'm like, hey, look, yeah, I have a lot of people that do that. You know, and and it and it's not so much of a pet peeve where it just like pisses me off. It's like, hey, look, you know, there's things that we can apologize for. There's things that we should apologize for. Yeah, you know, and it's like. Like, you know, and that's where communication comes in, too. You know, it's like you go in and, like, you pull the person aside and say, okay, what's going on? What do we need? You know, what what do I need to do better to make you more proficient in this area? Or why do you feel the need? Like, you need to apologize all the time. Okay, let's get some backstory. Now, let's let's spitball this out, you know, and, and, and work your way through that. As opposed to just using blunt force trauma and ripping things off of an engine block, you know. But it's fun. I mean, uh, be that as it may, we should do that. But you know, it, it's still you create more work for yourself. You do. Than than you do saving time. I mean, trust me. Get like okay. So I have I drive a Chevy Cobalt, right? That's yeah. Okay, you know, and it and it came equipped with a remote start. And it, you know and. It doesn't work, and I cannot figure out why. And I desperately want to. I think I just need you to try flip. No, have, is it working or because some of them? Like you when have you hit the double. button, when you, when no, you, you have the, to hit it twice. Sometimes you have to hit it. Twice. But when I hit it, like no, you're supposed to just lock it and then hold it down, okay. right? You hit the lock button and you hit the start button. And you got to hold it down, and it's supposed to start it up. But all it does is set off my car alarm. There's a there's a hood latch sensor. I think it's out. Because when I go into my like information center on my car, it says remote start, and it gives me the option to turn it on and turn it off. 
So I know my car comes equipped with it, yeah. even though the parts department down here at the Chevy dealership tells me that it's not. I'm like, look, I know what I'm seeing. You know, to me that's frustrating, and I just have to step back. I just be like, all right, you know what? I'm just I'm not gonna beat this thing to death. I'm just gonna, you know, yeah. I've got my engine light to turn off. I'm fine. I'm great with that. Yay, you know. It, you know, I don't have to worry about the light bulb back there burning out behind the engine symbol. You know, it's like, all right, so it'll come I on. I just let that shit shine. You know, that's my tire pressure sensor because all four sensors are out, even though I know my tires are good. I have a totally different sensor for that, and it still shines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but I and I I'm, and what's really sad is uh, right before the big snowstorm last week, I aired up my tires to uh, not factory settings, but max. Well, so you put not your, I so put you, like forty pounds. So you took out your fall air and you put in your winter air. Is that what you're trying? Yeah, to that's say? basically. Yeah, okay, it. I got you. Uh, but I did that, and my light still stays on. Yeah, it is. I think of a lot of it like. <sighs> They don't communicate with the, the rest PC. Of the yeah, they, yeah. They, they communicate with the commuter or computer in your car. Yeah. But the smart brain. Yeah, you know, it's like here we are. We've 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 gone from what we were talking about to shade tree mechanics. Yeah. But uh, today on this old house. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, I think a majority of the problems that we face as far as like combat effectiveness or even just leaderships, leadership cultures. Uh, you get a lot of these NCOs that when they get pinned with their stripes, they just, they, they feel like they have been blessed with this sense of entitlement. It's like, I call it extra ball syndrome. I wouldn't even say that because Lance Armstrong, he won a couple of Tour de France's. Yes. Yeah, but he didn't get into the whole blood doping thing, whatever. Well, no, 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 no. He no. did it with one ball. Okay. No, no, no. What I'm getting at is he was still humble. Yeah, he was humble. But if you get an extra ball in there, well, you can't really say that because of Hitler. All right. Right, see? All right. Then he was projecting a lot of that L, you know, the LDE, that little dick energy. Yeah, you know? okay. But, I mean, it's, it's like a guy who jacks up the truck and then still drives around with low-profile tires that have no flex to him because he listens to Florida Georgia Line while he plays with his boyfriend. Okay, yeah, I get it. You know, don't at me with that either. But... It's like a Ford owner. See, I can't make Ford jokes. Well, because my girlfriend loves Ford. You know, there, there's there's that new meme going around or that TikTok sound. It's like, you know, that, that feeling. I just still love... Uh, when you put your hand on the inside of your friend's thigh and it sends a shiver up his leg. It's the same feeling you get when you drive a Ford F-150. Ford. No good or relax. You know, and I'm like... Amory King. That's all I gotta say. Emory King, Amory my King. Silverado. Yeah, <laughs> I love that guy. Oh know? God, he's freaking awesome. You know, and, you know, he's just like, look, it's my business if I want to take one in the mouth. Wait, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I, I love the I love the uh, the story one he did one time. He's like drinking a white claw. I don't have any kind of problem. Oh, and he kept coming back, back in front of the mirror. He's like, this is after seven white claws. He's got a bra on. He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's like drinking one and then he comes around and he has a dildo and he puts it. It's like, oh, what is it? What? Who? <laughs> you know, but, you know, yeah, you know, but it, it's, it's really, you know, I mean, back to what we were originally talking, talking about. about. Yeah. We need to start coming in here with a lawnmower to knock down the weeds so we don't get lost in there. But um, No, it happens. You can't stop it, honestly. 
Yeah, so it's, it's and, Mr. Ma- and, and it actually, it, in the long run, it makes it a little bit more entertaining. Yeah, you know, it's like but, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. You know, yeah. it's like <laughs> I don't know where the fuck we're going. Just hang on. I mean, when you have when you have like a professional podcaster like Joe Rogan, and that's really all that happens during his podcast is they go from it, it's it's like going up on uh, a frog going up on another. Uh, uh, pod. Yeah. And it, it just hops out everywhere and then eventually it'll come back. Yeah. But, but you know, I mean, we sat in here originally to talk about the infantry. Oh, we're going to talk about you. But anyways, and then... No, no, no. But, um, you know, as far as like the infantry is concerned versus other MOSs in the Army... Well, any kind of... Non-combat, I mean, all the support MOSs are absolutely mission essential. They're just as mission essential as the infantry is, but the infantry is even more so. I know I just I, I just completely contradicted no. myself, but you, you need the infantry because they're the ones that are going in and kicking down doors. They're the ones that are physically chewing the dirt. Yeah. You know, those are the guys that are actually out there crawling the last 100 yards. Yeah, and even a lot of tier ones will tell you this, it's, it's the infantry that actually keeps everything going. Yeah, I mean, because, that, I mean, you can be surgical with your tier one guys. Yeah. But you, you need that blunt force. You need that that, that large presence yeah. that the infantry provides. Um, you know, and you'll find a lot of times, too, you get those infantry units that support, te- you know, tier one operations. You know, like, okay, well, like with Mogadishu, you know, you had the Rangers going in providing support for the Delta guys to go in and do their extractions. Yeah. And when everything went to fucking hell in a handbasket, guess what? Everybody became a grunt. Yeah. Everybody was on the ground doing grunt shit, you know? Because yeah. everybody wants to be a grunt till it's time to do grunt shit, you know? Yeah. It's like, nobody, nobody wants to put a fucking put a rucksack on their back. Nobody wants to nobody wants to carry a shit ton of fucking ammo everywhere. Hell, I didn't, I didn't want to carry Nobody like wants to hear the three most dreaded words in the English language, which is prepare to move. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to have to tell their people prepare to move because that means you're having to come out from behind cover. Yeah. You know, and, but it's something that has to be done and you can't just take anybody off the street or anybody in any other MOS and plug them into that job, into that role and tell them, hey, this is something that you've got to do and expect them to do that as well as the people who have that mindset and that have been wired to be, to, to, to do that exactly. job. But... <clears throat> You know, so do infantrymen carry around a sense of arrogance? Yeah. Is it, is it earned in a lot in a lot of situations? Yeah. You know, we have to carry ourselves a certain way, so that way we can not necessarily justify the way that we do our jobs, but so that we're that way we can find ourselves, you know, make ourselves capable of doing the job mentally, physically, not a problem at all. I mean, that's what PTs for. That's what going to the gym after work is about. You know, for you get these guys that come out, you know, they, they, they go in and they weigh like a buck five soaking wet. Like, no shit. When I graduated high school, I had a metabolism of like a nuclear reactor so I could eat like a side of beef and, you know, I wouldn't gain a pound. When I graduated high school and went to basic, I, I was barely, barely pushing 100 pounds. Oh, wow. I mean, I was, I was, I was toothpick, you know, but... When I when I when I left basic and airborne, I was at 150, and when I got off active duty, I was at 175 with like four or five percent body fat. So we just did PT all the damn time, and it was uh, the type of things that we were doing. I didn't gain or lose any of my weight. 
Yeah, well, then then I turned forty, and then I just got fat. Yeah, you know, but I had I had to take away I had to take away sugar on my uh, diet only because I I had I was like a hundred and eighty six, right? And as soon as I got rid of sugar, bam, one hundred and sixty eight. Yeah, see, and I had gotten see a couple years ago I was up to like a thirty eight inch waist, and then I had dropped down to. I think it was like a. I, I got back down to like a twenty-nine inch waist. Oh, really? And then I just started eating again, and just bam, I'm up to a thirty-six inch waist now. But you know, and I'm like, it's just way too hard for me to like lose the inches. But you know, I mean, it's not that it can't be done. But you know, but anyway, back back to what we were trying to say here is that. You know, being in the infantry yeah, we're gonna have to versus, yeah, we're going to wrap it up real quick. Being in the infantry versus other MOSs, I would pick being in the infantry any other day or every day. Like, if they came to me and said, you know, hey, hey you know, you can stay in, but you got to reclass. Fuck that. Let me get out. Yeah. You know, um, just because I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to have to put on my dress uniform and look over my right shoulder and not see that cord there. I don't want to look down and not see those cross rifles on my lapel. You know, I mean, because like, like airborne, air assault, and expert infantry badge. You know, I've got those qualification badges on my uniform. You know, um, I earned those, you know. And I mean, it doesn't matter what unit you go to, you're authorized to wear that because that's a personal award. Yeah. But the branch insignia stuff, like the cord and the cross rifles, you got to take those off if you reclass and you go somewhere else. Like, I had, I had friends that, that reclassed out of the infantry. And uh, they, one of them went to be like a Patriot missile site guy or Patriot missile guy. His commander made him take his EIV off, and he was like, uh, "No." Just cited the regulation. It's not an infantry thing. That's a personal award. Yeah. It's like we had a guy that reclassed from aviation over to the infantry. He had a his uh, crew chief wings, yeah. right? He wore those with his infantry stuff, and when he got an EIV. You know, he wore his EIB over his crew chief wings. That was great, fun, awesome. Because you earn that, you have the, you know, I mean, it's wearer's preference. It's just like, um, it's wearer's preference to decide who, which goes first, the airborne or the air assault wings. You know, depending on who you talk to, they'll say air, air assault's more viable and more important than airborne. But for me, yeah, I loved being in the 101st. I loved being air assault qualified. I loved, I love the concept of air assault. I, I really do. I think that, you know, doctrinally, that it's it's the most it's it's you know it's the most uh, you know viable viable you know means of uh, in, uh, insertion and extraction. Okay. Um, but I wear my airborne wings above those, and it's because you know I'm kind of I I'm old school. I love the respect. I love to respect the the older guys, the guys that came before. You know, like the guys that jumped into Normandy, that, you know, Market Garden, you know, and, 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 and on since then. Me wearing my airborne wings above that is because it's like, we started out as an airborne unit. I joined be, to become a paratrooper, you know, and I love jumping. I mean, being a paratrooper is like, you got your regular grunts and you got your paratroopers, you got your airborne infantrymen, you know, they're, they're a little bit higher class. And then you got your, your, your rangers above them. You know, and then on and on and up. But, you know, it, 
it's it's about preference, but it's you know people want to give the infantry a bunch of shit because they think that we're just arrogant pricks. It's like, well, yeah, you're going to get those guys there. And it's usually those are the guys that you want to avoid whenever shit hits the fan because whenever shit hits the fan, you want to look for the guy who's quiet and follow him because he's about to cut the fence and start sack, you know, st- start sorting dudes out, you know. Or just hit the fucking button and everything explodes. <clears throat> no, I mean, like, literally, whenever, I mean, whenever chaos starts raining, you, you really want to start aligning yourself with the, or getting yourself into situations that are advantageous to your survival. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, beings is that retreat and defeat are not options. Yeah. You know, it, it's, you, you look for the quiet guys because those are the guys that have already assessed crisis, the crisis, they're managing it. They're calm, cool, and collected, so you know that, yeah, while they're nervous, they still have a degree of ice water in their veins. They're about to cut the fence, and they're about to go through and start sorting things out. Yeah. You want to be there, because a lot of times, the safest place on the battlefield is behind their weapon. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, I loved being a 50 gun. Safest place was behind my 50, you know. But you get, you know, you get those guys that... They're just they're just made for that job, you know. Whether or not they have these employable skills outside, you know, the military. That's what we have college for, you know. Well, I I still think that they have very high uh, employable skills. Well, yeah. Only because it's the uh, crisis management. Crisis management, yeah. I know a lot of grunts uh, that have became paramedics. A lot of grunts that actually went on to become nurses or doctors. Yeah. Um, a lot of guys, they just they love the lifestyle, so they 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 get out. Oh, you can and they still go to you can have that. You can have that in the boardroom too. Yeah, you know, and, and like Matt Best, I mean, he was Ranger, right? Yeah. And I mean, look what he's doing now. I mean, he's he's running a that's coming up to be a Fortune 500 company. Yeah, you know, I mean, Black Rifle, he helped found that, and then what was it, Article 15 well, Clothing? Well, it was Article 15 Clothing that really stepped it up because yeah. their first year was a million dollars. Yeah. And you go from there, you're, you take in on, uh, it was more or less partnering up with Evan Haver that yeah. really, the, that group of people, they had the media outlet, they had the product from Evan Hafer and how he made it and everything like that and what he wanted to do with it. And then you had the a face to where... Uh, they had a media outlet and everything like that, and they combined all that stuff to make a product. I mean, you can't have a good product and not advertise it. Yeah. You can't have a, a media company and not, no way to fund it. Because right now, that's what it is. It's Black Rifle is literally funding their fun. Yeah. And that's how you got You have to think about something... If you want, I, I love doing this, but is it a viable uh, thing to where I can get paid eventually? Yeah, eventually. but I have to get to that point. Yeah, because you got to get the attention. You got to, you got to. Yeah. The right people have to be able to hear it, and eventually we're gonna have to break up these little blocks here and and uh, make uh, you know they do promotional spots. You yeah, know? I get all that. I mean, and that's probably one of the reasons why I haven't even started one of my own because. You know, I mean, honestly, it, it seems kind of daunting a little bit just to get the start, you know, just to start it all up, just to figure out the platform, how to deliver the message, stay on message. Yeah. To me, because to me, 
um, while I like chaotic situations because you can you have the ability to kind of free flow a little bit. Yeah. I, I do like to stay on message. Like, yeah. And, and like, okay, so like my girlfriend, she tells me, she's like, it's just so sexy how you just like to be organized, you know? And I'm like, I just like things to be where, you know, like I've got a Pop Funko collection that I've, that I've started and just, I've got wall, right? It's all there, right? It's Fucking all together, nerd. you know? Fucking nerd. I, you know what? So what? I'll wear that pride, you know, I'll wear that, I'll wear that label of pride. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Yeah, right, exactly. But, you know, um, like, I, I, you know, like with the, 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 the Baby Yoda pops, right? You know, I've got yeah. four different smaller ones. Man, they just go well with those pops. Though. And then I found, I ordered this one three months ago. The 10-inch the tall one just came in like a week or so Dude, ago. Dude, that's nothing. They have, they have like, uh, I think they have about six to five foot one. Yeah, no. No, but see, my collection... There's a, there's they have, a, when I went to a con, when I went to a con, they had a they had a vending machine that, that you just pick them. Yeah, up. I was like, put right. them up. You know, and and I want to hit some of those because those, some of those exclusive, like convention exclusives, dude, they they get pretty oh, yeah, pricey. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, like I've got forty seven of them in my collection, and it's worth almost nine hundred dollars. You know, and like that most expensive one that I've got is Baby Yoda holding Mando's pendant. Ow. You know, um, and then like, it just, I mean, just, just watching the, the value fluctuate a little bit. It's, it, it well, kind of like, reminds me of like back in the day when I used to collect comic books and baseball cards. Me, it was Magic the Gathering. Well, I still collect comics, but Magic yeah. Gathering, I mean, if you look at it right now, uh, a lot of the cards. It. I was like, at one point in time, I had a Crypto Command. I had the, uh, they, when I bought it, it, cost me fifty bucks. And you go back and it go hit it hit Legacy to where everybody was using it. It went up to like six to seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Then it right now it's back down to the fifty to sixty dollars range. And it's it's like any kind of uh, collectible stuff. You're looking at like a stock market. Type thing. Oh yeah. I was like, I bought, uh, I bought a uh, first uh, first appearance of uh, Punisher. Yeah. For three hundred dollars. You know how much I sold that for when once the uh, uh, show came out, or no, uh, once he hit up on Daredevil, I was like two thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so like I, I like I like to collect uh, military memorabilia. Um, a lot of stuff specifically like World War II, European theater, yeah. or the 101st specifically. Dude, there's a guy that, uh, I saw a show uh, on YouTube that guy collect uh, World War One memorabilia. See, that stuff's so hard to find. Man. Yeah. But like, um, there there used to be a store, a surplus store outside of Fort Campbell called Eagle's War. Uh-huh. And he had like, when you walk in, dude, it was like walking into a museum because he had all this cool shit just hanging from the wall behind glass. Yeah. Um, we're talking about like, you know, like gear from like Iraqis or, you yeah. know, uh, World War II stuff, Korea, you know, Vietnam, you know, and I've got, I've got a small collection of the vision patches through the years. Okay. And, uh, uh, he recently decided he was going to go out of business 
and do like online only type stuff where he was yeah. going to close down his brick and mortar store. Well, he had all this memorabilia, all this historical stuff. Like General Petraeus autographed uh, like a desert view to Utah. Oh wow! And had it framed. That that sold for like three thousand dollars. He Good. he put he put everything up for this online auction, and I found this brass eagle that would sit on a desk, and it was from World War Two. It sat on a general's desk during the war. Oh wow! And I I won the auction on that. It's sitting on my desk at home. Was it patents? No, no, no. This was 101st Airborne Division. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I mean, this was like a staff officer, but it belonged to somebody who was in the division during World War II. Oh, okay. And, um, like, that is one of my favorite things. I mean, this thing is heavy. It's like five, six pounds, you know? And it just, I mean, it sits about that tall. But I, I won it. I paid $35 for it. But it's like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I got lucky on it because, like, it was one of those back, you know, back lot items. I bet, I bet if you found out who is who, uh, whose desk it was actually at, yeah, you could. And most stuff is if you can put history to it, mm-hmm. it bumps up the value. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, but I mean, it's like, like my the my dream book, the one that I I just I absolutely want to own is a first edition of the Rendezvous with Destiny. And uh, it's the title that we gave the divisional history book. Okay. And it keeps getting added to because it's it's written using after action reports. Oh. So after every engagement or whatever, and all those AARs keep getting you know pushed up to division, it builds the picture of what the battlefield happened you know looked like on that particular day in history. So they keep making you know amendments to this thing. Oh. But I wanted I want. Like after, because after World War II, they they fought, they disbanded the division. Okay. I want the I want Rendezvous of Destiny, the first edition. I want that from World War II. Um, and there was a copy of it on the auction site. This guy had one, leather bound, beautiful book. And I'm like, oh man! But I mean, it started at five hundred dollars, and I'm like. Really want one so bad. I mean, I want it. I want the hardback. I don't want the paperback bullshit. You know, I want. I want a hardback. You know, I would prefer it be a leather bound, but I want one of those. And I mean, I would just. I would read it once, and I would. I would put it away. I would vacuum seal it in some kind of like hermetically sealed box. Yeah. You know, just to make sure that it was taken care of. But just to me, to be able to have that history is just mind blowing. Because, you know, one of the things, too, that being in the infantry has kind of, like, enabled me to do is just really kind of really immerse myself in in history. And, like, when my son graduated basic training, it was after the National Infantry Museum had opened up in Fort Benning, Georgia. The parade field where you stand, where you march up to, and they do the, the whole graduation ceremony there. Um... They, what they did is when they built that parade field, they scraped all the topsoil off of it, and they replaced it with topsoil that was a mixture of, of, of soil from every battlefield that the U.S. Army has ever fought on. Oh, wow. And when they, when they had said that, I was like, oh, wow, that's, kinda, that's cool. It kind of gave you shivers, you know, like yeah. the chills on your back. But after the ceremony was over, after graduation was over, you know, we, we toured the museum and everything like that, and, which if you've ever had a chance to go to Columbus, Georgia, to visit 
the National Infantry Museum, do it. It's a free museum. Hands down, amazing experience. Um, but I walked out onto that parade field by myself. And just the, just the sense of, of reverence that just kind of washed over me. Dude, I, like, I had to go down to a knee and just kind of take it all in. I'm like, every battlefield that we've ever fought on, there's a there's there's soil from that field right here where I'm standing. Yeah. And you want to talk about <coughs> making you feel small, but yet, like... Busting you up. Yeah, I mean, it just... It just it's humbling, but it's inspiring. It's just awestruck, you know, like all at the same time. Because like you're just a you're just a blip on the timeline. Yeah. But you're a part of that. I mean, you're a part of that brotherhood of of, of infantry. You know, and and to me that that was that's where I get a lot of the pride that the infantryman draws comes from is the fact that not everybody can do our job. Not everybody's cut out to do our job, but you became a part of that brotherhood, that that fraternity, and nobody can ever take that away from you, you know, and it's just, just from a historical standpoint, I mean, it's just to be able to say that, you know, you were able to stand tall, shoulder to shoulder, with some of the best human beings that this country has ever offered. Is it's humbling, and it's just an amazing feeling for me, at least. I mean, that's that's where a lot of my pride and a lot of the bravado that I carry um, because of the infantry comes from. Is because just just from the historical standpoint, it's just very very. It's it's a very humbling experience to 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 know that you know you served in the same branch of the army that people like Audie Murphy you know uh, Dick Winters uh, you know it just Al uh, York uh, yeah yeah, Alvin York you know yeah they could have just joined any other branch of the army they could have been like a supply guy they could have been you know quartermaster whatever doesn't matter they could have been an MP you know but they chose to become an infantryman and, you know, like with Band of Brothers, especially. I mean, I could watch that relentlessly. And I will cry every single time, you know, when somebody dies or at the end of the series, you're just kind of like left with that emptiness on the inside. You're like, I want to know more. Yeah. But. I was like when I was uh, watching the Pacific. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, specific, yeah, the Pacific was was an amazing series. I mean, I, I identify more personally with Band of Brothers, obviously. Yeah. You know, but. You know, and it's like, you know, for a while there, like when I came home from basic training in airborne school and I came home on leave, like when I got out of my my parents' car, I had my dress uniform on, my class A's, my jump boots, beret, you know, wings shining, you know. The guy that used to live next door to my parents would actually had jumped into Normandy with the 101st as a member of the 502nd Infantry. Oh, wow. And he came out, he was like, young man, let me shake your hand, because he saw... He saw the screaming eagle on my shoulder. He saw that 101st patch. He's like, I gotta go out and talk to this guy. And I'm telling you what, man, just to, you know, like, here I am, I'm thinking I'm like hot shit. I'm just mentally fresh, you know, uh, freshly minted 18 year old infantryman with jump wings on his chest, thinking I'm badass to the bone. 
very suddenly humbled and awestruck by the fact that this guy has to carry around his balls in a wheelbarrow because he jumped out over France and Holland with the 101st unit that I'm going to. Yeah. You know? But that's that's honestly nothing compared... Uh, have you ever heard of the uh, airplane gliders? Yeah, yeah. The, I met a guy when I was doing uh, uh, a matter of flight. Fact, yeah, as a matter of fact, um, 327, uh, the unit that I was a part of, uh, that, you know, that I was assigned to. Dude, those are... Blast, bl- they were they were called uh, flying yeah, the, coffins. Yeah, the uh, glider troops. In fact, uh, the division commander William C. Lee, father of the airborne. Yeah, because the the glider troops used to they, uh, part of the recruitment poster was all the danger, none of the pay. It used to be a joke because they didn't have a, a proficiency like paratroopers had jump pay. Yeah. Glider troops didn't get that pay bonus. William or Major General uh, William C. Lee flew like he he went in with the glider guys. And he was like, I will never do that again. They're like, sir, we're not getting paid extra for this. He goes, that's going to change. Yeah. You know, and, you know. That, but the balls. Canvas and cardboard, or car- canvas and plywood. Yeah. You know. Because I did research after I talked to him and everything like that. And I was like, I was in awe. And he was, he looked so frail. And I was like, this man has no balls in me. There's no ch- chance in hell I can even. Yeah. With, so how much that guy big... wearing that veteran cap on his head and he's, yeah. he's hunched over at one point he was more awesome than you will ever be in your entire life oh and just in like five seconds yeah and I'm like because there's a lot of battles that are research on you can go in and just look at yourself and you're just like there's no way yeah I mean I can never be that bad. you try to put yourself into those situations like you try to imagine what it would be like to invade France or you know to to drop in or being a special unit with uh, the resistance and you still have to wear your uniform yeah these guys are just I mean they're a cut above yeah like you got your infantrymen and then you got these guys yeah you know and you know, so it's like, again, we're not taken away from the support MOSs. You know, I've, I've got a friend that I was friends with in high school. I mean, he was a he, he was a truck driver in the Army. Yeah. You know, I'm not taken away from that. I mean, hell. Who's going to drive me to the field? Yeah. I mean, who's who's going to drop me off there? Yeah, who's who's going to make sure the, the, who, who, the, the beans and bullets? Work? Yeah. Who, who's, who's making sure that the beans and bullets are getting to where they need to go? And who's going to feed me when I get back? Yeah. You know, you know so I'm just like... We give those guys shit because, like, they're not grunts. But at the same time, we need them. And, you know, so, you know, this whole we need to get rid of the term pogue or we need to give these other, you know, the the combat action badge, basically. It's nothing more than just a glorified bayonet for an EIB or a CIB. Yeah. You know, I don't think, you know, I, you know, it... it it's part of that whole everybody needs to be included culture, and it's like okay, fine, whatever, have that. It's like whenever they gave everybody in the army black berets, the the rangers were pissed off about it because they took the black beret away from the rangers and gave them tan berets. Yeah, and it's like I'm I'm of the old school mentality is that you want a beret, earn it. Yeah, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's some people. Well, it's that, like the tabs and no tabs too. Yeah, there's a difference between tab wearers and tab bearers. Yeah. You know, you get these guys that are cocky, arrogant, think that they're hot shit. You know, they walk around and, and they have their tabbed out, and it's like, you just wear the tab and you act. You know, and you 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 don't personify what it really means to wear that tab. Yeah. You know, 
then you get the guys that bear those tabs and it's like they they they're different yeah but in a very good calm cool collected lethal manner yeah and well, those are the guys that you really want to avoid <laughs> yeah because i had a i had a guy that was uh hanging out with and we were doing paintball together and everything and he's like oh, oh we were in a ranger battalion blah 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 and i was like oh okay and then i met uh a friend of mine that actually had a tab and everything a ranger and he came with us to go uh play paintball together and he's like he was a he was a ranger oh okay i'll just go talk to him and for like five minutes he talked to him and he came back and i was like yeah he was in the ranger but he didn't have a fucking tab and i'm like what's that and it took me a while to to understand what was going yeah. on yeah yeah because you get guys that get assigned to ranger battalions and they'll go like oh fuck yeah i'm a ranger and they can do the whole four years yeah or or whatever time yeah. they, they're in service yeah i mean it's like it's like um <laughs> you know i mean it's it's like uh but they're more support isn't it just well no i mean you can get you know you're because really you don't go to ranger school until you at least your e4 or e4 promotable status okay um, so, I mean, you'll get guys that, like, E1 through E3, they'll go to Ranger Battalions as a grunt, and they'll do Ranger shit, but until you go to Ranger School and you graduate, no, technically not a Ranger. Ranger yeah. You know? I mean, I know that the wrong person, somebody eventually is going to hear this, and they're going to be like, well, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know? Like, but, like, yeah, okay, you know what? Whatever, you know? I, I was airborne qualified, but I was in an air assault unit. Some of I was an air assault soldier. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it's like I wasn't an air assault soldier until I went to air, air assault school, you know, and I, I graduated air assault school, you know. Um, you know, you'll get those guys that'll talk about, you know, infantrymen that served during peacetime are just salty pugs. Like, no, we still had to go. We had to train to do that job. And, you, and know, you still had humanitarian aid stuff to go on. You know, I mean, there, there was technically, still, there technic was still, yeah, you were still missions there to do. Yeah, technically, Black Hawk yeah. Down was still in peacetime. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think and they that, got a CIV for that. Though. Yeah, you know, but or Operation, uh, what was it, Eagle Claw? It was during the Clinton uh, administration. Talking about, um, and it happened in uh, ninety. Eight, I believe, about around it's September time frame is because I was in boot camp when it happened, and they thought we were going to go to war because of that stuff. I think I remember what you're talking about, but I just can't remember the name of it. And the only reason why I really know is because the uh, bomber group that I was attached to. Yeah. The they went over there and just dropped a couple of bombs and came back, and that was that was the end of the incursion. Yeah. But yeah, um, but I mean, as far as being infantry. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world, you know, at yeah. all. Um, I mean, it doesn't make me any better of a person than the next guy, but, you know, it just, it just means that I'm able to look at the world through a different prism. Yeah. You know, and, and just the same thing with any other infantryman, um, whether it be a Marine or, or Army. You know, we just, we look at the world a different way. You know, we, we didn't sign up for the infantry because we're different. We signed up for the infantry because everybody else is, yeah. you know. And, you know, what you do with your career, regardless as to what, you know, what MOS you, you, you pick or have assigned to you, I mean, your, your career is going to be what you make of it. And 
what effect you have on the army as a, you know, from 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 a long-lasting standpoint. Again, that is on you. Yeah. If you run into a situation as a World War One soldier where you've got toxic leaders, you keep your head down, and you push through that, and you battle yourself, and you and you and you teach yourself, you know, how to be a better leader. And if you don't affect change, you want something done right, do it yourself. You know, and eventually people start to sit up and they'll start to take notice. And, you know, you'll get into situations where people will come to you for advice, come to you for guidance. And then it is your responsibility, wholly your responsibility, to be that change, to be that that effective leadership. Because you can be a leader, like we discussed earlier. You can be a leader, and you can be a piece of shit. But if, if you lead, and you lead from the front, and you you don't do anything that you're, you wouldn't be willing to ask your men to do, and you, and you abide by those three M's of men, mission, myself, you're going to leave a lasting impression with that guy that just came in off the block. And you may be the reason why he wants to stay in, because he wants to be a leader like you. You know, versus you get these guys that come in and they got these shitbag NCOs that, you know, look down on you because your run times aren't where they think they need them, you know, where, where you need them to be. You know, we lose a lot of the effectiveness of our fighting force just because we're having to wage a battle of attrition amongst our ranks. You know, it's like you want somebody to stay there. You want somebody to excel. You want somebody to help make the army more lethal, more effective as a deterrent and a fighting force. Give the people below, you know, you know that you're you're placed in charge of, that you're responsible for. Give them the resources necessary to get that job done. You know, otherwise you're going to turn out nothing but, you know, hundreds of thousands of bro vets, and these entitled dickheads that walk out. You know, they think, oh. Where's my military discount? Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, it took me about, about it, it took me just recently just to ask for that. You know, I, you know, if it's like a big ticket item, yeah, I'll be like, hey, do you guys offer military discount? No, no, no. Auto no. parts. I would the auto parts, yeah, but you know, you know how when you, you know, like with Lowe's and auto, you know, like, oh, auto yeah, parts yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you give them that phone number and they've already asked that question. They usually put that in. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, auto parts, yeah, fine. Uh, Lowe's, yeah, absolutely. I love saving yeah. that 10%. But, you know, I, for the most part, I, I really don't care. Yeah. You know, like they used to offer those free meals on Veterans Days. You know, like when we had our Golden Corral before they closed it. Yeah. I mean, like, are you a veteran? Yeah. Okay. You know, go in and eat for free. Sure, fine. That's not why I signed up. It's not what I, you know, did it for. I, I, I view that it totally different, though, uh, going up to Golden Corral. The only reason why I really love doing it is because it gets so compact. You have to sit with somebody else. Yeah, and I I love their stories. Yeah, I I, I did it once, and I was like, all right, we'll get a free food. And then I did it, and started hanging out with other people, other yeah. branches, and everything. And the stories are just great. Yeah, see, and that's why I'm really wanting you to come back out to the American Legion. Is you know because we've got like you know because I like us when we were here earlier uh, last couple of weeks ago with Melissa, yeah. talking about how veterans are a national resource and we need to get that history. Yeah, you know because was it Winston Churchill said those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. you know and it's like you 
you're you're missing such a huge portion of American history by not engaging with these veterans. You know, whether they served in peacetime or they served on the front lines or they served in a combat area, it doesn't matter. They they've got a unique perspective on things that occurred during the course of our, our of our country's history. Yeah. You know, and you know, because you know, whether or not they were the ones that pulled the trigger on Bin Laden, or you know, they were the guy that that found Saddam Hussein in the spider hole. It doesn't fucking matter. You you're looking at history through a very unique perspective. Yeah, especially the ones that actually was there. Yeah, you know, uh, like I can't, you know, like if if you try to find books on World War Two. Like especially like the European theater, or even let's just specify the Battle of the Bulge. Yeah, you know we're Bastogne. Okay, no two books are written the same. Everybody, everybody who writes those books, they interview different people who were there, and and it, and I, I'm a firm believer that you, if you're going to learn, you learn through saturation. Yeah, you know the more and more you immerse. And a lot yourself, of people don't even remember so, uh, the situations that another the person that was like right next to him actually uh, yeah you know it, it was like no this is what happened and you yeah get the, it's yeah. the whole hey I missed the helicopter crash from uh, Robert Neal yeah you know and it's like because everybody's got their own their own field of fire you know yeah. so but oh, no, eyes on what happened yeah so I mean we we get we get those different perspectives and we get those overlapping perspectives and you're able to generate an eyewitness account of what actually happened. Because you get some history professor in Harvard or Yale or, you know, whatever other universities here back state side who weren't even alive when the damn battle happened. They're trying to write the definitive history of XYZ. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people that are actually they're almost gone. Yeah, you know, and, and we're we're losing I think what is it like a couple of thousand World War Two veterans a day? Yeah. You know, I, I think the last World War One veteran just died like last year. Uh or we might have one or two left. No. No, actually no we don't because no. they're they're all gone. Yeah, they're all gone. They're all gone. You know? And so you know, and it's like with, with this Mars Perseverance uh, rover thing that we just landed on Mars. We had those really cool camera angles now for the first yeah, time. Yeah, the 360. You know? Oh, and, and During sound. the landing. Yeah, and, and sound. sound. I, I make it a point. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm showing my boys this because, like, I want them to remember. Yeah. You know, like, this is fucking cool. Like, to them, this is the man landing on the moon. Yeah. You know? Like, I remember where I was when 9-11 happened. Yeah. You know? Um, I had the shittiest story. Yeah, I was at work. I almost got fired because my boss thought that I was kidding. Whenever I told her we were under attack, and this was before the second plane hit, I was playing video games. We were doing an exercise, so I was supposed to. Uh, basically, it was known that the base would be shut down for, for the exercise. Yeah. So I still thought we were on exercise. I was playing video games. I see. I, I went I into was... a recruiting office. Oh wow. I went into a recruiting office to re-enlist, and some E7 wouldn't even give me the fucking time of day. Didn't turn around, didn't say shit. Um, and I'm I'm sitting there watching over the shoulder, over his shoulder. I mean, I'm not talking mad shit to this guy. I'm like, dude, you get up with your fucking ass and come do your job. You know, I want to go back to the hundred first. I want to go back to the infantry. Send me back to no slack. You know, it would have been just easy. Just hey, boom, 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 boom. Because at that point, 
What, yeah, a lot of people have that story. They wouldn't go back in. What but the after, fuck is a waiver, you know? Yeah. And, and, but this guy wouldn't turn around, you know? And, and I, I watched the second plane hit um, right there in his office. And he just refused to acknowledge me. So I'm like, all right, fuck it, whatever, man. So I, I went back to work and, um, you know. And probably about a week later, you got a phone call. No, I didn't actually. Oh, um, really? I, I, I kept trying to get reenlisted and they just, you know, they were either too busy because they had people trying to sign up or, you know, whatever. Um, eventually waivers became an issue and I'm like, well, all right, fine, whatever. So I just kind of chalked it up as, you know, maybe God was trying to tell me that, this wasn't supposed to be my fight, um, and which is fine because you know the way that my life kind of worked out is you know here I am with two divorces later, and I've got I've got really I've got amazing kids, and yeah. you know if I'd have gotten back in, stayed in, you know I wouldn't have my my two youngest boys, I wouldn't have my eleven year old, and my nine year old, yeah. and um, I mean you know hindsight being twenty twenty or whatever you know whatever you want to call it. You know, my life would be irrevocably different and considerably more lacking if I didn't have my two kids, yeah. you know, my two youngest boys, you know, so, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to sit back and kind of look at things through that prism. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I can not necessarily rest on my laurels, but just kind of look back and say, you know what? Yeah, I was an infantryman in the army. I was a paratrooper, I was an air assault guy, you know, and I served with, again, like I said at the, at the beginning of, the, of this episode, that I served with some of the best degenerates I've ever had the pleasure of meeting in my entire life. It's usually what happens in situations you know, like that, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, we can give each other shit, and we check on each other, and, you know, I mean, we chat, you know, some, not as often as I would like, but, you know, we, we still talk, and, uh, you know, I mean, we each, we've, we've got our lives and we've all moved on past that, but we can all look back yeah. and, you know, kind of reminisce about when shit was a lot easier, you know, uh, and, and really we had each other to kind of lean on, fight with, you know, hang out with, you know, like I. Like uh, the guy, one of my guys that I mentioned earlier, Chris Wells, he was one of my roommates. We got into a couple of fist fights in our room, you know, yeah. and over st some of the stupidest shit, you know, but... Well, was it pee for care and one of the bars of soap or something like that? Or no, that? no, it was usually involving a girl, but... Oh, yeah. You know, I mean... <laughs> you know, and, and there was... I think maybe there was a few fights that had been, you know, alcohol-fueled, but whatever. But... You know, we're all we're all basically family. I mean, we're extended yeah. family at this point, but still, it's family. So it's like if somebody's going through something, we post it on Facebook, and it's like you know, either the thread will light up on that, or you know, DMs will light up. You know, hey, if there's anything I can do, yeah, there's anything I can do. You know, we're we're still out there looking out for each other. We're still willing to go out and and go that extra mile for each other because of our experiences, because of who we were back then and even who we are now um, because we, we wouldn't be who we are now without with what you know without being in the infantry and you know do I suggest the infantry you're damn absolutely right I do you know but is it for everybody no it's not so make sure that my phone is going crazy yeah but we're gonna wrap it up right now yeah, so make me make sure that you know 
Make make sure you do some soul searching. And if it's this is something that you want to do, absolutely pick the infantry. You know, you it's going to have its bad days, just like every other job in the world. You're going to have to put up with a lot of bullshit. But at the end of the day, when you look back on your life, you're going to be absolutely proud of the fact that you served as an infantryman, either in the Marine Corps or the, in the, or the Army. Yeah. You know, and it all goes back to that esprit de corps. It all goes back to that, that camaraderie. You know, that, that really just, it's only bred through places like the infantry. You know, I mean, I, I, I don't hear about a lot of cooks or a lot of truck drivers or, uh, you know, a lot of, like, chemical guys or commo guys that sit there and hang out with other commo guys and talk about the old days, you know. But you see a lot of infantrymen, you see a lot of sailors especially, yeah. you know, because they're in those confined spaces, those confined quarters, those those environments that force that that cohesiveness. Yeah, I had a talk. I had a talk with a uh, submariner. Yeah, so I mean, and like I my dad, like, you know, my dad. I mean, he was on several ships, but like he can sit there and probably name off three or four good close friends from each of the ships that he ever served on. You know about how they would like get in, you know, get in trouble at the bars in like the Philippines or Hong Kong or whatever, you know. But or Keesler. <laughs> but. You know, that was you, a funny one. You you get, you know, you you get that that closest that closeness that you know that cohesiveness from the infantry that you're just not going to experience anywhere else. Yeah, and that's one thing that I'm always. I I really wish I had contact with a lot of people that was from my unit, but I I just don't. And it, dude, Facebook is a wonderful tool, man. I've I've tried. Yeah, and we'll see. We set up like we set up an alumni page. Um, yeah for our, our company and you know and that's honestly that's how we found out that Captain Tipton had been killed in Iraq because oh. um, we were trying to get the guys from like from, from each of the platoons from the company that from that time period that we were there and a lot of people were asking about Captain Tipton and uh, somebody found his memorial page and I'm telling you man when when that news was disseminated it hit like a ton of bricks, dude. I physically broke down oh. and cried, you know, because I'm like, this, this was, this was a soldier, soldier here. Yeah. And his, we're, a lot of us are still friends with his, with his widow on Facebook. Um, every May second, which is the anniversary of his KIA date, uh, you know, a lot of us will post our memorial band as our profile picture for that day. Um, and she's incredibly humbled by the fact that even years after the fact, years after he died, he died in 04, years after we've served with him, years after he's died, you know, after he died, you know, we're going on 10 plus years now, you know, it's almost, uh, almost 20 years since yeah. he's died, um, that he still has that effect on the men that he served with. And, you know. It's, it's that kind of a thing, you know, it's like, I want to be remembered that way, you know, I want to be remembered like that, you know, like that by my kids, by my friends, by family, I want to be remembered the way that Captain Tipton's being remembered, you know, because he set that example for us, yeah. and, I mean, yeah, he, he was an artilleryman when he was in Desert Storm as a lower enlisted guy, he got out, became an officer, and felt that he could do a better job to help the army improve as an infantry officer. And everybody to the man that served under him and served with him as an infantry or infantryman was better for it. 
and and that's that's the kind of thing that that a lot of guys that join the infantry they aspire to is is to come out better because of the people that you're with and I was just lucky to have served with one of the best human beings that I've ever had the honor of, of serving with. Um, in fact, he and I actually, we earned our expert infantry badges together. Um, you know, so I mean, that's something that I can carry around with me. And, you know, and it helps get me through those days, you know, when just like, it's just rough, you know, like, because you, you look back and you think, and you remember, and you start to miss that. You start to miss those guys, and you start to miss the people you that you know are not with us anymore. Um, and you, you remember those good experiences, and you remember just who they were. And what was it? General Patton said that we shouldn't celebrate. We shouldn't mourn those who have died, but we should celebrate those who you know. We should celebrate them because they lived. Yeah. You know, and and I, it's. I mean, that's that's really that encapsulate encapsulates a lot of it. You know, for you know, combat MOSs just in general, um, or even just in life. You know, is the fact that yeah, well, they may not have been the greatest human being a hundred percent of their lives. You got to experience them, experience them that at their one, peak. Yeah. You know, and it affected you in a, in a, such a positively powerful way that you know you you try to mold yourself after them or after your your image of them. And, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to uh, articulate that into words without sounding like I'm like stumbling and bumbling and repeating myself at some points. But, you know, I mean, that for me, that's what being in the infantry was about, was the esprit de corps, was the, the brotherhood, the camaraderie, and, and just being able to look at the people that you served with and served under and, 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 and finding the... Well, you know, yeah, you got to experience the darkest that human human nature has to offer, but you also got to see the best. Yeah, and that's what you're looking for is in, in looking to to aspire to, because you want to be able to pass that on because you don't want that legacy to die. Yeah, you know. So I, I mean, I, I take some of the things that I learned from him, and some of the other great leaders that I had the opportunity to serve with, and I use that to help myself mold my kids. Because I want them to be better than I was. Just like my dad wanted me to be better than he was. You know, so I mean, if, if we're not, as a parent, not looking to have our children be better than we were, then sign your rights off and just go somewhere else. Because you're, you're just wasting that kid's time. And you're, you're really just <coughs> doing a disservice to human, you know, to, to, human, to human race in general. Take the best that you've ever seen in, 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 in human nature. And apply that, and you're going to see that more times than not, you know, through the military and specifically the infantry, because you know we're placed into situations where we have to, we have to be our best, and and when you get to see those darkest moments, it's because you're 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 being reminded that we're in fact not bulletproof. Yeah, we're human beings. So, but man, this was this was a lot of fun today. Yeah, it really got away from us. We've been sitting here. It really did. Four hours. Four yeah. hours. Glad I don't edit that much. Right. But uh, <laughs> I'm David Dickerman. This is Jack Skelton. John. And John. Jack. 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 Oh man, I am horrible names. Just, just like know. John Kennedy was Jack Kennedy. But no, I'm, this is Johnny Skelton. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what the hell. We'll talk to you later. Oh, what the hell, man.